welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and I invite you to join me each week as we turn to God's Word and Scripture to grow and support our personal faith and to help us through the challenges we face in our personal and public lives. We all have spiritual needs to be met, and Scripture is the best place to turn for nourishment. I intend the messages presented here to be appropriate for people of all religions and those who are simply seeking meaning and purpose in life. Today we're going to hear an old favorite, the parable of the prodigal son from the Gospel of St. Luke. Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he sent off and went to his father. But while he was far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he's got him back, safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Hey, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat, so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of Our Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. 
story of the prodigal son is one of the most well-known and beloved of all the parables that Jesus taught. We all have known prodigal sons and daughters or have acted like one ourselves. You know, those immature, irresponsible kids who have it made and then go out and throw it all away by making bad decisions. Eventually they come to their senses, realize how good they had it, and come crawling back, expecting things to be just like they were, without experiencing any consequences. Now, in real life, these stories can end up one of two ways. Many parents, maybe even most parents, do like the father in the story who gives in and takes the wayward child back unconditionally. Now, it's hard to turn our back on our kids when they're in trouble. We may call these parents compassionate, but we're just as likely to call them enablers or suckers. The other common result is to create a rift between parent and child that may never be completely healed. The parent just says, no, figure it out yourself. We may think of these parents as justified, or we're just as likely to think of them as hard-hearted or cruel. After reading this story, how do you feel about the prodigal son? Should the father have taken him back or not? You may feel conflicted. On the one hand, the father was just being a good parent. But on the other hand, the son needs to learn a lesson. That's exactly the effect that Jesus wants to have on us when he teaches us via parable. He doesn't force-feed us an answer. He wants to stir us up to think about what is at issue. In this case, he may cause you to think about how we parent irresponsible children. You may come down in a different place in this story depending upon your current circumstances. When you read this story after giving in to your own child, you think he was a pretty wise dad. But if you read this story after you review you have refused to give in to your child's bad behavior, you think the prodigal son's dad was a sucker. Parables are messy and sometimes frustrating. Jesus doesn't come out and tell us what to think or even what's right. He wants us to work it out for ourselves in our hearts and in our real lives. Now, if you want black and white answers, stay away from the parables. You're not going to find them there. Parables do their magic by getting us to identify with one of the characters. They suck us into the story. In this parable, you may identify with the father of the prodigal son. It challenges you to think about what you would do. When you think of your own children, you can see that this can't be an easy choice. And that's a good lesson in itself. Life isn't always black or white. Or you may compare how this parent acts with parents that you know personally who are in similar situations. You may even reference this story to them to help them know what to do. If you've messed up in your life and were given a second chance, you're likely to identify with the prodigal son. You know how he feels. No matter how you use them, parables 
lead us to do some deliberation and soul-searching. We could identify with the father or with the prodigal son in the story, but there's a third major character that shouldn't be overlooked, the elder son. He was the good son. He did what his father asked of him. He showed up for work every day. He was obedient. He says he worked like a slave for his dad. On top of that, the elder son in the culture in which Jesus lived was due respect and would inherit the bulk of his father's property. When he hears about how the father has thrown a big party for his playboy brother, he's righteously indignant. It didn't help that he heard about the party from one of the servants. He wasn't even invited. He confronts his father, maybe for the first time in his life, and says, How could you do this? There's a parable, parallel story in this from Jesus' real life. Now, this isn't a parable. Jesus and his disciples are on the road, and he stops off to visit friends. The story goes like this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary is the prodigal son in this story, and Martha is the elder son. And Jesus plays the role of the father. Martha's in the kitchen doing all the work while Mary is sitting around listening to Jesus' stories. She, and, but she's the one who gets all the attention. Martha scolds Jesus and tells him to have Mary get her butt in the kitchen and help out. But Jesus is unsympathetic. Martha has her role in the family. She is wired to be the doer. Mary is less focused on the practical matters of life and has chosen a more spiritual route. I think all of us know both Mary's and Martha's. And when they live together, conflict and resentment is bound to arise once in a while. While this is not a parable, it functions like one. It causes us to stop and question whether or not Jesus was being fair. The story ends there, so it's up to us to decide. Mary or Martha? Instead of focusing on the prodigal son, let's put ourselves in the shoes of the elder son. How would you feel if your devotion to your father was overlooked and your undeserving sibling was celebrated? You may have a situation in mind that's eating at you right now, where you feel like you're being underappreciated and someone else is getting the undeserved glory. How would you hear your father's words? Son or daughter, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Well, right, Dad. 
you probably wouldn't be convinced or satisfied in the moment. But stop and think what the Father is saying. First, your Father is saying, I love you. I always have loved you, and I always will. In practical terms, we might wonder if the Father in the parable has ever explicitly told his son that. Probably should have. Maybe should do it more often. And he probably could have handled the party thing better. But we can assume from what we are told of the Father that he has treated his elder son fairly. He treats him more like a partner because he's the responsible one. He treats him like an adult. The implication is, though, that his love for his elder son is unconditional, too. He would have loved him whether or not he had worked so hard for all those years. He didn't have to earn his father's love. However, his father appreciated and respected him for what he had done. Maybe he felt he didn't need a party. Then the father reminds him that he won't go unrewarded. He says, all that is mine is yours. You're going to have absolutely everything you need. All the fatted calves will be yours one day. You will be in my position. Now, who knows what is ultimately going to happen to the prodigal son. He may take off again tomorrow, he likely may, and blow it all again. Happens all the time with prodigals. They just keep taking. And the parents just keep taking them back. We don't know if the father would throw another party for him, but we can pretty much imagine he would never stop loving him. This is a teaching moment between father and son, father and the elder son. We don't know what happens to this family because the story ends here, like parables tend to do. They end just like in the middle of things. Best case scenario, the elder son takes after his father and learns to love his brother unconditionally, just like his father does. He learns to celebrate when something good happens to other people, no matter what their past history. He learns to be forgiving. If he can give up his resentment toward his brother, there is the possibility of reconciliation, and they all live happily ever after. That could be the end of the story. At any rate, this father has given both sons a shot at a happy life. Oh, and the elder son learns to be grateful for all that he already has. Now, there's a similar result for Mary and Martha. Mary has the prospect of living a meaningful and deeply spiritual life. She feels called to follow her Lord. Martha will be known throughout all of history as the faithful servant, which is always a respectable thing in the Bible. Many women's service groups today are named after Martha. There's something noble about being hardworking and uncomplaining. There's no need for resentment on the part of either. Both are loved in the eyes of God. Both are rewarded in their own way and contribute in their own way. There's a practical takeaway for us when we identify with the elder son. Like the elder son, you've worked all hard all of your life to get where you, where you are and for what 
you have. You stayed in school. You obey the law. You not only got a good job, you show up on time every day for work. You may work in an office or do back-breaking work outdoors on a construction site. Or maybe you work day after day on an assembly line doing what some people would consider mind-numbing work. The point is, you work hard, you can be relied on. That house you live in and the nice car you drive didn't just appear magically. You work for them and you're proud of them and you expect that you will be appreciated for what you do. Now you hear that because of the pandemic, that the government is providing payments and extra unemployment benefits to people who never worked in the first place. In your mind, you picture these prodigals sitting at home on the couch, smoking cigarettes, drinking 32-ounce Diet Cokes, while playing video games and watching TV all day. And the media highlights the plight of the, the poor unemployed, and we support them, while you faithfully show up for work every day and pay taxes, the taxes that help to support them. Not only that, you see your government spending your hard-earned tax dollars overseas to support people in places that are completely alien to you. Some of those people even have the gall to cross our borders and apply for welfare here. Now sure, you feel for those masses of poor people. But if their own governments would get their houses in order, they wouldn't be facing those problems. They should learn. All these people do is take our jobs away and draw us into wars in which American lives are lost. Now, government is like the father of the prodigal son. You know, I never received anything for free. I worked for it. Well, let's see what happens when we apply the prodigal son story to this scenario. The story has taught us about unconditional love. If we love unconditionally, the poor in our own country and the needy in developing nations don't need to earn our love and support. Our humanity compels us to provide help wherever help is needed. There's an unlimited supply of need in the world. As Jesus says, the poor are always with us. Fortunately, God fills our hearts with an unlimited supply of compassion. The parable also teaches us about judging. In the case of the prodigal son, we have a pretty good idea that his predicament is the result of his own actions. That's not the case with the victims of poverty at home and abroad. It's impossible for us to know or to sort out who's a victim and who's just lazy or irresponsible. It's a tricky issue to figure out whether we're helping people by supplying aid or just encouraging sloth and bad behavior, just as in the case of the prodigal son. Now, setting domestic and foreign public policy is hard and Jesus doesn't dictate what policy we should pursue. He doesn't say that we should be a capitalist or a socialist, if we're going to be a Christian. 
Instead, he opens our hearts so that we can make those decisions in a compassionate way and in an informed way. The decisions won't be easy, but we'll have the heart for them. The other thing that we can learn from the father's treatment of the elder son is to be thankful. Most of us have been blessed by having our material needs filled and more. Not the least of these blessings is the opportunity for meaningful labor that has been rewarded. There's every reason to believe that we will continue to be blessed. Despite the current pandemic, we still enjoy a level of prosperity of which some people can only dream. Most of all, we are assured of God's continuing love, unconditional love. Like the father in the story, God sees us as partners and workers in the kingdom of God. We are promised that God will throw a party for us and we will receive the gift of eternal life in a heavenly banquet. The sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, has already been given for us. In the end, we are all prodigals. We all have been lost and now are found. So let us all, rich and poor, young and old, rejoice and celebrate together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you with grace and abundance. And may God grant you everlasting peace. Amen.